This is Screensaver, a show by Kyle Sconewill and Robbie Earl about the film and TV series that we love. Today, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us, specifically the 2023 post-apocalyptic drama that aired on HBO in January. This show was slightly unique in that it was actually based on a 2013 video game developed by Naughty Dog and a show that actually brought some of those video game creators onto the set of this series as well. The show, which was written by Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, uh, a creator of the original game, stars here Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey and ran for nine episodes to much critical acclaim. Kyle and I are talking about the show today because it's actually been a, a common love of ours for a long time. Uh, years ago, a mutual friend of ours got me into The Last of Us mm-hmm. um, at a phase in life where I think, weirdly, you weren't really playing video games. Yeah, correct. Other than Halo, maybe. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Which is wild now because I feel like you're so much more plugged into gaming world than I am. Um, but... I had played the Uncharted games, which are also by Naughty Dog, have really similar game mechanics. And those are sort of Indiana Jones-ish. Now there's also been an Uncharted film that was not met with the same level of acclaim (laughs) that The Last of Us was. Correct. Uh, But The Last of Us took a lot of the mechanics of the games, which were fantastic, and added this whole new depth of story, of performances... And, and that's even saying a lot because I think that the Uncharted games were pretty incredible on the story front and, and character work too. It's just they delved into not just darker territory, but a lot you know deeper waters and the questions that they're asking here. You know, at the time, The Walking Dead was kind of going strong and, and there was a, I think the Brad Pitt World War Z movie came out probably a, a year or two after this game. Hmm. Maybe, actually, maybe the same year. So there was something of a zombie moment, which made me at the time, certainly more so than there is now, uh, but it made me at the time sort of hesitant to get into that game. And I think The Last of Us is such a great example of finding a way to, to, to redefine a genre that has been done to death and and to redefine a genre that I think had been in some ways really recently redefined already by the way The Walking Dead had done it. Like The Walking Dead had done let's make a zombie show into a compelling drama that's more about the people than about the zombies. Yes. And and so again I was like well how can you really do more beyond this but I think that and in some ways you don't know that until you get to the ending of the game. Uh, you don't really understand what makes that story so special and kind of what the linchpin of it is. But I think ultimately what they managed to do with the first game and and then also with the second game, which we won't get into here for spoiler purposes, but is is really kind of continue to buck your expectations. And I think to delve even deeper than you initially maybe think they are, both in the world building, like the bits of character insight that you get walking through that world as as a video game character, um, and then also just the work you get with the, the main characters, the game themselves. That was why you and I were, were both, especially you, 
coming to the game a couple years later, were so excited when this show was finally announced mm -hmm. uh, because we did feel like this was an example of something that was just executed so, so well, and not just for a video game, but just as a story being told. Well, a couple of things that I want our audience to know. When you ask why The Last of Us, if you were just to quickly Google, which I just did, best video game storylines of all time, mm -hmm. coming in on most lists at number one is The Last of Us video game from 2013. So they're not just recreating any video game. They are recreating right. what a lot of people think is the best story that's ever been in a game form. And just like what you said, how much that game redefined the genre at the time for games. Right. And now trying to translate that to screen. The second reason I want people to know that is because there have been other adaptations, as you said, of video game storylines that just have not ever really worked. There's been very few that have been critically received as well. I think about yeah. Uncharted, but I also think about going back to like Tomb Raider right. stuff or um, for a long, long time. They, were, they tried to make a Halo movie, just fell yeah. apart yeah. time and time again. Little miniseries is here and there. Yeah, and There's been a lot of cases of it not working. So I kind of wanted to look at this show as why does this one work as well? And I think part of the reason is it's one of the best storylines ever. But I think that's such a great point because even the shows or, or the, the movies that have adapted video games in the past, I don't think even if they weren't poorly done, you know, even if they weren't badly received, I think they were mostly just kind of fine. You know, like, sure. the, you know, like I, I don't I can't think in this moment of something that is straight up inspired by a video game. Like the Mario movie coming out right, soon. <laughs> right, right. Well, but, but you know, like the original Mario movie, yeah. if you ever saw that as a kid, is just insane. Well, another one of the top video game storylines of all time, all the Zelda stuff has never really made yeah. it into yeah. film TV. People have tried. There's been fan versions of it. Right. It just never really worked for some reason. You know what I think is probably the, the first example I can think of is probably Sonic, Argu okay, yeah. arguably Pokemon, but I don't know if that counts. Like, sure. Okay. Because it's more, you know, it's a card game as much as it is anything else, but. Point still stands. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do, and not a lot of these are going on to HBO in what we would classify as like the prestige, quote unquote, television, right. you know, area. Right. We're talking Sonic and Mario and all these things. And it's also, it's funny because as we're talking about what it takes to, to adapt this stuff, both Uncharted and The Last of Us were in the sort of development hell for years as they were trying to figure out what they were going to look like. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I think that those, like that that studio does such a great job of, of the, the cinematic storytelling that it lends itself. Like, you know, this would make a great, a great something on film, whether it's a, a, a movie or, or TV, but it's just what what does it look like? How do we pitch it? Like who should the stars be, but also kind of like what kind of stars do we want? Like I think for Uncharted, for example, for the longest time, I think it was going to be Nathan Fillion was supposed to be uh, Nathan Drake. And then as he kind of got a little bit older, they were looking at Mark Wahlberg at one point who winds up still being an Uncharted, but now is like the older guy and Tom Holland becomes the protagonist who, you know, is a much younger take on the character. My point being that was a decision 
of this is the way that we think we should pitch this to a public that's not familiar with the game. And I think for the longest time, there were similar conversations here because I think at one point Josh Brolin was in the running hmm. to be Joel. Uh, there were different conversations about actors to play Ellie as well. I mean, I remember hearing about plans for a potential Last of Us adaptation way back in like 2014. Well, and that's actually a perfect transition into something I want to talk about from a zoomed out level, which is anytime you are adapting any other medium into a new medium, there's going to be hurdles, right? So over on our other podcast, Friends From Work, we talk mm -hmm. a lot about how when you're adapting a comic story, the right. challenges that come with that. Do you change up the exact story? Do you do it verbatim? Do you risk making people mad by changing this one thing in it? But the same thing happens whenever you have a TV show that's trying to now go to a movie. Right. Or in the case of like Lord of the Rings, when you're adapting a book. And so inherently, there are challenges to adapting a video game. And I think it's interesting to point out a few of those. Like one of the differences with a video game is that if you are a video gamer, mm -hmm. you often a lot of times, by the way, these stories take about maybe 20 to 30, maybe 40 or 50 maximum hours to fully beat. So if you right. don't play video games as a background. But what I mean by that is that is 20 to 30 hours that you become heavily invested in the character you are actually physically moving. So it's different than a book in that you're not using your imagination. You're actually seeing something and right. you start becoming that person. I remember when I was yeah. playing through Red Dead Redemption oh. too, I start talking like, whoa, what's the plan? <laughs> and like, that just becomes like who you are when you're playing Spider-Man, you start right. feeling like you can swing around everywhere. Well, the kicker here is you are Joel. And you are playing Joel. So that's a challenge in adapting that for a show in general because yeah. everyone who wants to see it already has 30, maybe 60 if they've played it twice, maybe 90 hours logged in their memory of what Joel should be because you were Joel for 30 hours. Yeah, that's a really— And that's a unique challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so different from what people often say is the challenge with adapting a book, for instance, where it's— it's almost the opposite. It's like because someone has a, a version of Frodo in their head. That's different, right? They've right? pictured it their whole time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Then they see Elijah Wood and it's like, well, that's not the Frodo I had pictured for decades or whatever. So that's a different challenge. Yeah. But yeah, here in video games, it's it's you have the character model clear because that's right in front of you the whole time. But there's something really there's something different and really unique about the fact that when you press X or whatever you are the one choosing to pick up the sheet of paper on the table and bring it up and read it and decide to flip it over and whatever, like find the ammunition. Like you're making the, even though the story is being told for you and you have parameters, you are making decisions within that, which is to say you are a part of that character right. and what that character does. And in that way, it's more similar to comic books where you're also visually seeing it. There's no imagination that needs to take place. You are right. seeing like what you're doing as you move your hand to the right or to the left or what Ellie looks like or yeah. whatever. You're seeing it. So it's not left to the imagination. So that's almost a different, it's a different hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I bring that up because it's going to play into when we talk about the how of yeah. The Last of Us, it's going to yeah. play into a few of my thoughts there. But just if you don't play video games, know that it's a very different and somewhat challenging medium to switch over into TV. Yeah, and, and I, I think that is going to be a good transition here because 
I've really enjoyed as, as this show came out. And I don't always do this, but this is a show that I really liked watching the after the episode kind of behind the scenes conversations because of that. Because yeah, that was a fun thing. You had Neil Druckmann on on set that was doing so much of the writing here. But also he was talking about why certain things were changed. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, some I thought— Some things work better in the game than they do in the show or and, whatever. And, and some things logically, you know, like he made the point that at some point so much of the game is you're just walking around looking yes. at stuff. Or you're shooting zombies or or random— For like an hour. Right. And they made the point where it's like, yeah, like, you know, if you do that over and over again, it gets boring and those moments kind of lose the the narrative weight. And so there's stuff like that that they pulled out, which I want to talk about and, and kind of what that does with the, yeah. the time, you know, the time frame and how that's felt. But then there are also other things where it's like they made decisions to change the way that like the the fungus functions so in the game if i recall correctly the spores are are normally it's this airborne stuff where you'll you'll yep. kind of be going through and then suddenly you're in a room and it's like oh there's spores you know you can't walk through there you on. have to have a mask on and i they they noted that the creators of the show noted that that's just really hard to depict realistically in a show like you're people aren't asking those kinds of again another thing people aren't asking those kinds of realism questions or at least not in the same way in a video game because you're yeah. kind of a pro it's it's the same thing with a comic book on that front like yeah good point you don't you don't have to worry about superman looking realistic in a comic book that's just not what you're mm-hmm. but so i think in the show that's why they introduced the whole idea of there being these like tendrils kind of going yes. to the ground and kind of a network and and a response mechanism that we see come into play several times. Yeah. So it is. I mean, I think, and, and all that to say, as we're getting into how this was all executed and, and, and how we felt about it, like, I think that the first big point is they, they seem to have put a lot of thought into all this. Yeah. I, I like what you said about the pacing side of it, as far as in the game, you do have countless hours and obstacles that you just have to overcome. And that's part of the fun of playing the game, but they don't add a ton to the story. So one of my takeaways from the actual series, when you zoom out is that there actually isn't a ton of zombie time relative to the game. But part of that is because like you said, if they just did it every episode, mm-hmm. it would start being like, okay, when you're not a part of it, when you're not actually physically fighting the zombies, it would just get old pretty fast. The game, for the most part, is based on these different little stops and cities that you get yeah. to, and then you just find a new set of people there, and there's a you know, small challenge you have to overcome there, and then you move on to the next one, and it happens again and again and again, but... With that time, yes, they're working in this the beautiful story of like Joel getting to know Ellie and like uh-huh. that connection being made and all that stuff. But the pacing is a huge challenge for me because yeah, you're adapting something that is 30 hours long with a lot of the hours being like more repetitive. Yeah, that you don't have the joy of actually playing it. Well, so and, you got to figure out how to trim that. And it's it's interesting even on an on another side of the pacing because. 
well, not not the pacing, I guess, but the the kinds of shots that are going to work or the kinds of scenes that will work in that in the game, you can die, right? And then you'll respawn. But you are at risk of being killed at any given moment, and then you're going to have to start back over from the last checkpoint. So it doesn't impact the story, but it impacts your own level of anxiety and the tension that the game creates because you're like, is there someone around the corner that's going to kill me? Whereas in the show, you're like, okay, it's episode four. I don't think one of our two main characters is going to die. I mean, maybe, right? Like things have, crazier things have happened in TV, but it's something where like that's inherently, it's difficult to create that same, like when you play The Last of Us, it is stressful, like playing the game. I only played The Last of Us one time, first of all. And like you said, I was not right away on board in 2013. I didn't play it until 2017 or 18, mm. okay, once PS5 was actually starting to come out. Part of the reason I didn't play it that many times is because it's not a fun story. Like, it's not a game that I just, you know, quick, I have an hour. Right, I get a lot right. of enjoyment just being stressed to the max creeping around zombies. Now, our friend, mutual friend, <laughs> right. he does love that. Right. But for me, I didn't find it like a super enjoyable game. Mm -hmm. Like in the way Spider-Man is an enjoyable game. Right. But there's depth here that a lot of other games don't have. So anyways, it's yeah. it's one of these situations like maybe like a Breaking Bad where it's like it's so good to do one time. I just don't need to do it all the time. Right. Which is in some ways probably a big benefit to the game. And like that the to your point, Googling best stories, that is what – although I think the gameplay is fun and well done – you're right in that it's not – I think when when we're thinking about how yes. they adapt The Last of Us, we're not thinking how are they going to capture the fun of trying to get a headshot from hiding behind that barrel. <laughs> right. That game is built on the story more right. than it is the actual mechanics of any of it. But I give that last disclaimer to say everything I'm about to say is coming from a slightly educated but slightly foggy memory of that oh, game. Yeah. I have not replayed it a bunch lately. In a way, though, I think that's kind of telling because it's – I'm referencing this show based on what were my overall like emotions and takeaways from the game more than the specific details of like what happened with Bill and Frank. Right. It's right. more about like, how did I feel when I finished the game about this or this? And I think that actually informs what I'm about to say in regards to the show. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So uh, in yeah. some ways I'm thankful that I'm not a crazy game expert when it comes to the last of us, although mm -hmm. I have played it. Because I think there was some mystery still left for me, and right. I can kind of just compare my overall emotions as my takeaway. And I think we've talked about this before, you know, as we're, we're talking about adapting anything. I think that the question should never be, you know, did they, was it like quote unquote accurate, right? Like, did they get every aspect of this right? I think it's more, did they adapt this overall in a way that's effective yeah like so let's talk about the ways that they did adapt this video game really effectively yeah i want to start with a couple things yeah there is a scene in whew, maybe the third or fourth episode when joel and ellie are trying to get away from the kansas city people mm -hmm. and there's one old sniper in a tower mm -hmm. and he's shooting at them behind the car and oh my gosh you are taken back to the game immediately. That yeah. is what so much of the game feels like. Even the rhythm of the shooting. Like every time Joel pokes it out, bang. Right. And it's like way in the distance. Like, 
I see you back there. Right. Bang. That's what the game feels like. So if you want to know if you've never played it, like that's the feel. Uh Then the way Joel goes up in that tower, takes the gun from that guy, although different than the game, because in the game he'd just kill him. But here he tries to talk him down off a ledge, like just give me your gun, stop shooting us. But he uh, grabs the gun and then that whole zombie breakout where Joel's like sniping people to protect Ellie, that feels like the game. Like even the way Joel's breathing. Yeah, like, oh, to yeah. Relive, like yeah. that's you in the game. That's you in the game being like, oh my gosh, like realizing the gravity of this moment. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't let them get Ellie or these other people. Yeah. So in some ways, like the visual of them leaving Boston the first time, it zooms out. Oh, and the post-apocalyptic yeah. buildings, like, you know, half leaning over, leaning Tower of Pisa type yeah. stuff. So cool. Just like the game. Yeah. Some of the shots, shot for shot, were so cool to see as a game player. Um, a couple times where Ellie and Joel are on a roof, they uh-huh. pause and they look out, and it's the exact remake yeah. of the game. Or even the, the the way they move, like in those in some of those scenes. Through like a little cement tunnel. Yeah. And like the crouching, identical to the game. Yeah. That was fun. That yeah. stuff was fun for me as a player. So like that, in a way, that is actually how I wanted it adapted. I wanted it to feel like I was like, oh yeah, that's from a video game. Uh-huh. But I didn't care enough about certain specific aspects that like another positive is like the way they change Bill and Frank's story is better than the game in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And I didn't need that detail to be exactly the same. So that's my point. I wanted the feel of the game to mm-hmm. feel like it. And they did in my opinion. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. And I'm glad you brought up Bill and Frank's story. Cause I was going to say, I, I think one, I mean, I, I think there's a case to be made that that's, if not the strongest, you know, one of the strongest episodes of the series, despite not featuring the the main characters very or much zombies. at all. Yeah, yeah, true. So I I, I think you're totally right. Uh, and and to kind of talking about adapting the feel more writ large, I think that the other thing that made that so effective as someone that did play the game and and appreciate it, one thing that the game does really well is a lot of kind of a lot of world building through like found objects like you'll find sometimes it's like a body that with like a suicide note sometimes it's, oh, yeah. you find something that's like hidden in a cupboard like a, a letter someone wrote or just like a backpack or something and it's like yep you're right you're piecing the world together in ways that I think you know, talking about the limitations of, of how much time they had and how much they could realistically dedicate and just how entertaining it would be to see people picking up things all the time. Instead, you get these vignettes throughout the series, like of Bill and Frank, but then also in Kansas City, you know, we get a lot of time spent the same in the final episode in a way, or sorry, the penultimate episode, when you get like a focus on the group there that that uh, the can in the cannibalistic group, I guess, sort of where it's like you, they, I feel like they took opportunities to try to build out the world through the eyes of like the people experiencing it, which is actually, I think the greatest strength of both the game and the show, Mm -hmm. the last of us, part of the reason it's so genius is in how well it does build the world out. And Mm -hmm. there were, like you said, a lot of other Oh, there's been so many post-apocalyptic worlds in film and TV and game. Right. I think The Last of Us is unique in that you get a really good, like, spectrum of 
what is humanity like in the midst of this crisis? Like I think about World War Z, which I really like, but World War Z is, I think, really exhilarating because of the stressful action sequences from the actual zombies who can run, which is a unique fresh take. It's really good at like getting the practical mindset of like, okay, if you turn in seven seconds and they can run, what would happen to the world? Right. But you don't get the best look at like what are all the different kinds of people that have been formed out of this broken world and like what would they be like? And The Last of Us, because of the way they set up it all going down, which Mm -hmm. I think is the highlight of the show for me, Mm -hmm. is like – and that's just like the game – the way Joel loses everything, but also the way they even find this out, like the creepiness of the one old lady turning into a zombie and then the helicopters coming over uh, right. overhead. And then all of a sudden, like, get in the car, get in the car. And then they can't get on the highway. And like the panic of that moment mm-hmm. from that, which is like magnificently done to the 20 years later thing and then getting a glimpse of like what has 20 years of this done to people like the different yeah. the fedra and the factions of people that are forming against uh-huh. this government and then like each town has different people and different problems right. some are a little more compassionate and some are like awful cannibals yeah. and like some have turned to just hiding hiding out and like just seeing yeah. what humanity would do in the face of this crisis which to wrap this all up is why I think the Bill and Frank thing was so genius yeah. because we needed a glimpse of like a faction of people that are able to like find purpose and meaning in life even though this world is so broken that they're in if yeah. it was all only cannibals yeah i think yeah. you fall into a different trope that i don't like either i i liked taking an entire hour to just Mm -hmm. be like in the midst of all this horror is actually this beautiful story. And there are some people that are able to find meaning in this. And I think you need that balance. Yeah. Oh, and, and just the timing of where that episode falls, I think is it's, it's right where you want to get a sense of how this all progressed. Like, cause I really like the 20 year jump, but you, you know, you end basically the night that everything goes to hell. And then the next thing you see is 20 years later and Joel's in Boston. And and so what I love is the way they did that episode and, and just the way they kind of handled some of the world building in general, like we're saying is they root it in a, a, like a separate, meaningful, moving story, but through that also give us, you know, deliberately give us things that show, you know, for instance, this is how you would deal with someone that kind of comes asking for food. Like the questions you would have to ask, like the conversations there, but then also the fact that we find, we see Joel and Tess earlier and at this point, Tess is already dead. And so, you know, we saw that whole relationship kind of run its course on screen within two episodes, really one episode. But then also laying the groundwork in those moments of how can Joel eventually find purpose in Ellie? Yeah. Because Tess says like, you have to protect her, like do the one thing you should do. And then you see then, and Joel gets to see Bill and Frank and like Mm -hmm. kind of the end of that story. And that moves him emotionally. And I think that's the groundwork of him finding purpose in something else besides just like killing people or running, you know, slumming things or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, and I think the other the other interesting thing that to your point that episode doesn't have 
Yeah, I don't think it has any any of the zombie. I'd say zombies. What is what is the term in the last in Last of Us mythology? Infected. Infected. Just as a spoiler here for the game, Bill and Frank's story is pretty depressing and forgettable in the game. Yeah. And like I feel like if they had adapted it literally from the game, I just don't think it would have been as effective for the overall show because you're not getting a glimpse of like that lightness that I'm talking about. Right. But also like Frank has just like hung himself in the game because uh-huh. like clearly you get a vibe they like argued and then he killed himself. Right. And that's just not, first of all, it's depressing as I'll get out. Yeah. But second of all, it's just, it's not as like, uh, add, it's, it doesn't add as much to the world building because yeah. it's just another chapter of an awful human that did something right. awful. The, yeah. There were a couple of moments in episode three where I think that they chose to, kind of subvert expectations like where you think even that at the end whenever whenever it comes time for them to both you know take the crushed up pills and go out together or not like I really thought that that was going to be a fight kind of a thing right like instead of them just making it a like yeah we will and a beautiful and they leave the note and and like the the window open and all that and so I think there were several points where I appreciated the show not going for something gruesome and shocking for its own sake, which leads me to my other point about, you know, there not being that many scenes of infected in the show. Yes. I think that what I like about that is some people didn't like that, which I understand, but I I think that one, it's one of those things that I kind of, I like whenever I'm craving something a little bit. And and so I think that it left me with the right whenever we got those scenes. And I think the ones we got, like, I think about the, like, bloater coming out. And and the reason I think about that scene is I it wasn't just being conservative with the amount of infected they show, you know, to make it more of a, of a drama. I think it was also really helpful in giving you like it would lull you into this sense of like like when they're in Kansas City for example you're not even thinking about the infected at that point like you're thinking about all the political dynamics there of like are they going to get shot by these people that have taken over Fedora and so I think it makes those moments more terrifying and it makes you feel memorable at least and it, it makes you feel like what like you're more in that like in that world in that Yeah, I mean, people would inevitably you would settle in an area and you would, you know, if you were able to actually settle for any period of time, it would be because you've blocked off infected. And in some ways it would start to feel like you're living, you know, like you've kind of started over again. And so I think the but then the shock, like in in Kansas City, the way they had really shown like the different struggles that had gone on there and how, you know, they were just humans killing each other, which I also think is like. You would think, and and I feel like this is often the case in these kind of apocalyptic things. It's like, well, humanity needs to band together because it's like us against. Sure. But but even just 20 years later, like now. I'm thinking about like that Dennis Quaid movie. uh, Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's like highlighting that these people are killing each other. Right. Still, she's killing her family doctor who delivered her. Right. And ignoring, like, whenever she's shown, hey, like, this is an area where infected could come up, like, ignoring that because instead she wants to, like, continue on this vendetta. And what that, you know, it's like those are almost two opposite sides of, like— 
that's also what I meant about the world building, though, too. That that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like they're, yeah. they're building out what humanity is like so effectively. Right. Like the both how you can find meaning beyond that and how you But also you can, the dark side of it. Like yeah. lose yourself or have a mad rush for control. Right. Just a really accurate – well, not accurate because I don't know. But like a, a picture of what could happen. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that that's – that is something that – I, I could see people debating, but I feel like the world building part is one thing that the show did particularly well. I always like when different entertainment mediums, like I come to them for one thing mm-hmm. and then you leave with a totally different thing. And in this case, like you mentioned, like a lot of people I think tuned in to see a zombie show mm-hmm. and then you get to like the Bill and Frank episode or like some of the later episodes, you realize like this is very little about the actual zombies and more about the humans that are left. And I personally like that. And so I feel mm-hmm. like the show actually did that fairly well as well. And then also there were a few times that it diverted from the game in a positive way, right. in my opinion. So like I talked about the Bill and Frank thing right. as an improvement. Another improvement, again, I think back to the beginning of the show when I thought it was like the best show ever. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence about the um, – I can't remember what country they're in, but the Asian doctor, scientist oh, lady. yeah, yeah. Like, that's not in the game. Right. So they start talking about like, the origin of the disease, which in the game they don't talk about. They don't even right. know where it came from. So going back before even Joel has the Austin thing. Yeah. Shout out Austin, by the way, where we True. are right now. Uh, I thought about you. I know. Yeah, it's – it's a, I, I, I liked looking at little spots that you could see. Um, but – that was like the height of the creepiness for me when they're like, well, we need a vaccine. Like, right. And she's like, well, what happened to their people? They're like, well, they went kind of crazy. And then we had to put them down. We didn't know what to do. And she's like, are anyone missing? Remember? And he's like, yeah, yeah. there's like 13 people we can't find, but no big deal. He's kind of like, yeah, but right. like, we'll figure it out. And then I have chills right now when she just goes, I need to go home and see my family. And he's like, well, what should we do? She's like, bomb, bomb the whole city. Right. You have to bomb the whole city. I'm going to go home and say goodbye to my family. And then obviously now we know the ending. Right. So like we know they don't bomb it because they can't do that and whatever. But that's the kind of like world building and like like uh, yeah. diversion from the game where I'm like, this is even better. And was the was the first bit in the in the pilot? Uh, is that from the game? Like when it shows the conversation on the talk show between the two doctors? I don't even think the talk show is in the game at all. I didn't think it was because I, I also like that. Yeah. 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 Well, and then as a side note really quickly, because this is all based on not a true story, obviously, right. but that you, I'm sure a lot of people know this now, but like that cordyceps fungus thing is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was cool to see like, you know, what, a 1960s maybe doctors, uh-huh. you know, theorizing this could happen and they tie it into global warming right. that they would right. have to evolve. But it's like. It's a totally far-fetched idea that's not as far-fetched as maybe the average viewer is thinking. Yeah. It's yeah. far-fetched. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But, like, I like the idea of trying to, like, again, almost ground it and make yeah. it feel like this could happen. This is real. And and just, yeah, the fact that I think what I like about it, too, is it explains that this is essentially another organism, which I think, you know, you could, this is in the game, I guess, if not explicit, then implicit. But another organism that is this fungus that is essentially using this body as a host. Yes. But I I like, like, I feel like Which normally... Which happens in some ants. Well, oh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Which it, is why they're basing it off that, yes. But I think that the normal zombie thing, if I feel like it veers more towards, like, this is a person on rabies, like, with, like, an extreme version of rabies kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're going to, like... 
all, all of like your adrenaline is pumping or something and you you're it, it's more of like a reversion to some kind of like animalistic state rather than like Being controlled almost or, yeah and because I think it does make it feel more like it's it's easier to to draw the distinction like it's not like you know is the is the person in there or like what are the I feel like it also makes the stages of progression clearer and kind of more terrifying. And as the person, like, it's not that you're feeling yourself, like, lose your inhibitions or something. It's like you're actually, like, they are experiencing, like, a, a takeover of self, like a loss of their own consciousness. And so there's something that's also more, to me, like, terrifying about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, again, so perfectly portrayed in that episode when – the doctor is doing the biopsy on the dead person that she's like, they can't live in humans. And then like the creepy little, like, Oh, still horrifying to me. Like yeah. little like airy thing comes out of its mouth and she just like walks away. Like, Oh gosh, like it's happening. In uh -huh. a human. And just again, that processing for her of like, she knows what this means. Right. But like is still struggling to even like believe that. Yeah. And how horrified she is. That's where I think the show really thrives. Shifting gears to a few more positives for me. Yeah. A, a couple of them I can just sum up pretty quickly in, in the execution department again. Like the cinematography was so cool. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I like that they shot a lot of this stuff in Alberta. Like they went to a really, really cold woods mm -hmm. and shot it there. And so a lot of that stuff is authentic feeling. I also think it was really, really cool to bring in the guy who did the music from the game, Gustavo, I think his name is, uh -huh. um, because the music in the game is so cool. And thank you for not redoing it. Like, just right. in that case, let him have the theme, et cetera, which is a great song that I listen to a lot, actually. So also props there. And I think in general, the care given from Neil, because he was both the game maker and the show maker, uh -huh. You got a really unique look. I don't know that that's ever happened. I don't know if that's ever happened. Not, yeah, not that I'm aware of. And you've gotten a really unique look at how you can merge those two styles. And I think he handled that merging for the most part on the execution side of things with care. And I'm sure Craig Mazin helped a ton with that because Craig Mazin made Chernobyl that show. Uh -huh. and Which is also excellent. Right, excellent. And then he... Obviously, you can see how, like, genre-wise, he could right. fit with this, like, melting pot of these two together. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, for the most part, it was really, really effective. Yeah. My last shout-out is, I just think the acting from the leads, and the side characters, for sure, but mm -hmm. specifically the leads, was about as good as you could ever imagine it being yeah. for a show like this. Yeah. And Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal killed it. Yeah. And Pedro's having a moment right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. he is on the top of the world. And I, as a Marvel fan, I want him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right. a side note. But between The Mandalorian being a massive thing and then this being a massive thing and mm -hmm. then in, in last year being in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is in my top five favorite movies from last year, mm -hmm. um, just having a, a great, <laughs> great little season. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree on on all those points. So I won't I, I, I won't delve into that much further. But to say, I also thought that for the most part, the visual effects uh, were really great. Yep. Uh, I thought like, especially whenever, you know, you can tell the, the, the makeup side, like prosthetic side, I thought was particularly great here. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. The fungus people, the infected. Yeah. yeah. That's prosthetics and makeup. Yeah. And you can watch the behind the scenes. It's really freaking impressive. 
and the and the you know the way that some of those character actors are are doing the kind of clamping mouth thing yep. like in the in the very first episode yep. with the old woman like like one of the most terrifying zombie kids that uh ends up killing the Kansas City lady in this ironic twist of fate remember oh, her that's yeah. an actual kid gymnast that can crawl like that. That looks oh, almost like man. a spider, which is horrifying. But yeah. they got a real gymnast, like teenager, yeah. and had her do that. And then, so that's all like practical stuff, and it's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that stuff. I, I think just in general, oh, it's horrifying. It's as we're kind of going down what I would normally think of as the list of like the how was the writing, how was the music, the score, how were the performances, how like the the kind of big tentpole things yeah. that need to work. I do think at least, and this is maybe where I would transition into some things that that we'll talk about. Yep. Maybe not working as well. Yep. I think almost everything, at least in isolation, worked really well. Good like, point. In terms of like, I don't know that there was ever a scene where I was like, eh, that was badly handled. Good point. On its own. I think it's more when you start to zoom out and look at the takeaways that we had after the game versus the you know in a good way and and what made that work versus like the takeaways we had from the show and and did that work as a whole in the same way that is such a good point because isolated yes everything works mm. but why is my feel a little bit off by the end of the series when it wasn't off at the end of the game and you and I last night actually spent a little bit of time processing that yeah but you're right like it's more of a zoomed out feel thing than it is like a specific instance because so many specific instances are executed so well. Mm-hmm. So here's where I give my typical disclaimer of we both loved the show. Yeah. And I'm stoked that it got adapted so well. I'm stoked that of any game to be adapted, that this is the one that people are like, this is the best video game mm-hmm. adaptation. I'm thankful for all of that. And so I'm excited. Don't, you know, don't hear something else. Let's just talk about a couple of specific things that go into like why maybe I felt like the finale was a little bit lackluster and then kind of go backwards from there almost and then try to dissect why maybe I felt emotionally like I was detaching, not detached, but I was detaching about midway through towards the end Hmm. to the point where we got to the finale and I watched it a few days late, which doesn't sound that crazy, but like for most of my favorite shows, I'm rushing to see at the time it comes out if I can. Right. And this one, like I didn't find myself like needing to. And then I started saying like, why is that? Right. Yeah. Which I think that there are some really, to me, clear answers. Why I I feel like, and, and they were deliberate choices, which I, you know, I would always rather a show or a movie turn me off by a deliberate decision that I just, it doesn't resonate with me as much than by just doing something badly. <laughs> so I appreciate that, like, a lot of the things I'm going to point to are not, again, necessarily, I don't even know that they would be considered flaws and maybe wouldn't be as much even to people that hadn't that hadn't played the games. Now, I know I've had some conversations with folks, and I think they still feel echoes of what we're talking about, but maybe wouldn't be able to articulate it in quite the same way just by virtue of not having a comparison. But I, I do think, like, to, to go back to kind of how we open this, one of my, like, one of the first things that really stands out is just 
the amount of time available. Like you talked about that, you know, the tens of hours you spend on a show versus, versus the, the nine or 10 kind of max that you would have in an HBO season. And I had wondered at one point early on in this series, and I'm curious if if you had as well, whether this was necessarily going to be a, you know, season per game thing, or if we would actually get, you know, half of the game in season one and another half in season two, and then the half of the second game in season three, because it felt almost like that was the pacing early on. And then all of a sudden we started kind of leaping ahead to until we got to the final to go back to the finale, what you were saying got to the final end where it literally like Joel and Ellie get knocked out. And then they, you know, he wakes up and you're in the final scene of the game basically. And I cannot wrap my mind around why would you make the finale? Like the shortest episode of the series, especially since like, if you played this game, part of the reason this is the best storyline of all time in a video game is, is the world building stuff I talked about. But the other thing is the ending. It's because I want to start the ending and go backwards because there's something off. I think with the storytelling of Joel and Ellie in the show, just slightly and the chemistry there. And I think a major part of it for me is that the game is centered around Joel. And that's because you are Joel. Mm -hmm. You play as Joel. You are trying to protect Ellie, but you play as Joel. Right. And I think subconsciously you start feeling really attached to him. You as like a white male, I start seeing myself in Joel. Right. The show, I think they very clearly wanted to make it about Ellie. Right. And I get it. Even in the game, Ellie is the special child. Right. But there's a difference there. And so I think like in the finale for me, like it felt so rushed, like just on a practical standpoint that it's, you know, it's only 43 minutes or whatever, which feels weird to shorten that. But also in like, there's no lingering decision. There's no choice. There's no stress of the choice in the show that Joel is feeling. And let me tell you, if you never played the game, if you haven't played the game and you watched the finale and, and, and felt a little bit empty from it, like it didn't quite land. Mm -hmm. I think this is why in the game, when you get to this slow developing part and you start realizing as Joel, that's you, that this person that you've grown to love, by the way, with a more natural progression, mm-hmm. that this person may die from this thing that is going to save the rest of humanity. It starts becoming like the perfect devil's bargain where it's like I, it's a lose-lose. Yeah. Either I choose to save humanity, in which case, great, but now the one thing that I have left to live for I'm willingly giving up. Right. Or I I have to willingly give up this thing that I have left to live for and it sucks, but I get to save humanity. And there's an actual tension in the game. There's a slow paced mm-hmm. tension that you are just dying on. Like, yeah. like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm physically walking her out of the hospital and like dooming humanity mm-hmm. and I'm killing people. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? But I get it. But what am I doing? Yeah. That's what you feel in the game. In the show, I feel like they just basically said, no, I've made my mind. I'm now just going to kill everyone. Like, like literally turned Joel into a villain, like a cold-hearted villain yeah. where you didn't feel like, why is he really doing this? Yeah. And so that's where I say, do we need to back up and say, is it due to a lack of chemistry between the two of them that was built up, like that it wasn't earned? 
or is it that it was rushed in the finale? I think all of things, all of these things play into the fact that there was a missed opportunity there to yeah. really feel that tension. I just don't think I get it in the show. I'm I'm realizing <laughs> with, with stuff like this, whenever you have a, a, a character that is primarily uh, like you have a, a male main character and then you also have the introduction of a woman or, or a, like in this case, a younger girl and you you inevitably see like the dark corners of the internet that are just angry because there's a focus on a girl and not on the guy. I think the reason why, like, which is obviously not what we're saying here, I think the reason why it makes such a difference here is not because it's like, oh, you know, like Joel is my favorite. He should have gotten more screen time or something like that. The Like the fundamental difference, I think, is because you spend so much time in the game as Joel, you are learning to look at Ellie the way Joel looks at Ellie. And I think that's really key because then at the end, if you were looking at the end of the game from Ellie's perspective, then it would be way more clear cut because she's kind of made it clear, like, I would like to make this sacrifice if it comes to that. So then the show kind of almost turns Joel into like this clingy, like villain that yeah. should not have robbed Ellie of that decision. Which is true, like not yes. the clingy villain thing, but it, I mean, he did, yes, he, he should not rob have robbed her. her. Yeah, and in the game, but, she's clearly like questioning and or upset about it. Yeah, it's fascinating what a difference that makes. Because it starts similar to how the show does in terms of the Austin components, you're, you're also Joel with his daughter, right? And then you're Joel now with Ellie. And so you, it, they, it really does a good job in part because of the fact you're playing as that character, in part because of the amount of time you're playing with that character, that even by the time we get to the episode where in the game you do take, you, you play as Ellie, and that's a big moment, that is a long time coming. Like you've had a lot of time with Joel where you you don't even really think that it's possible to play as Ellie. Like that's never, like that's not something that you think is going to happen. Right. And so I feel like it's a, it's a total difference when you get even to that moment because, for instance, in the show, because it was trying to have more of an equal focus on both characters from the get-go, you've already had a decent amount of, of just scenes with Ellie, but you've also had an episode that's just Ellie before that episode that's just Ellie. Like, because you have the flashback episode coming as episode seven, and which, by the way, like, even that, you know, as we're like walking backwards is an interesting one because I was, you know, maybe in the, in the minority in that I really enjoyed that in isolation as an episode, but notably like that's not adapted from the game. That's adapted from like a DLC that fills in like Ellie's origin after the fact. So like that is something that comes from the game universe and I've played it and it's well done and it's well adapted. But I think that's notable in that, like, you didn't have that kind of detour in the game. Right, true. And I think on the one hand, I you know, I get you don't have DLCs for, for TV shows, so I understand why they wanted to get that in. But I think especially given the fact that you're already down one episode from the average HBO show, so you now have nine, nine less than nine hours, because they're not all an hour long, like we've said, and then to pull 
one of those away to not actually really progress the story. Of Joel and Ellie together. Yeah. And then also to have two for the bulk of that one and the episode eight where you don't have Joel really conscious much at all now means that you only have seven episodes, you know, out of the out of the nine that are like Joel and Ellie moving. Oh, really less because even the first episode, you don't have Ellie. So it's like Joel and Sarah. You look at just it starts to the parts of the game that are those two characters kind of moving along linearly in the way that I and maybe again, maybe we're more tempted to think about it that way as people that played the game. But you don't actually get that much of that. Also in part because of episodes like the the Bill and Frank episode, which I thought was incredible. And I will undoubtedly be nominated for, you know, best episode of a series come Emmy time. It's another like that episode, some of the stuff that we got in the Kansas City two episodes, like all of that. I struggle because on the one hand, we just talked about how excellent it was from a world building perspective, but from a like utilizing the available real estate perspective, I'm like, I kind of feel like if you were going to make that call and if you were going to have those pieces be so significant, I think that somebody should have been willing to, to stretch that either into two seasons or at least to kind of insist on an additional episode or longer episode lengths, you know, but something to kind of ensure that you were not sacrificing the the main narrative. So I totally agree with you. I think where they would push back and where I think they did a few things really well is like they still found intentional moments inside those episodes. Like even the Bill and Frank episode, you do get the last five minutes of them having a conversation in their house about what happened, like right. reading the letter, then getting in the car and like talking in the van. There also were some really good and intentional moments to build that chemistry between Joel and Ellie that I don't want to miss. Like, yeah. I really loved the pun stuff. Like that moment in the upstairs of that house where right. he finally does laugh. What a sweet moment there. Yeah. Ellie becoming aware of what Tess meant to Joel. Right. And then in the car and some... there. So I'm not trying to say that they were devoid of taking steps to building a relationship between Joel and Ellie for right. sure. So there were a lot of moments that worked, but I agree with you in general. I think there was a little bit lacking um, a really small detail that at first I'm like, this is really dumb, but like even how the finale goes down mechanically, if I remember the game correctly and I'm, I'm okay with being corrected if I'm incorrect on this. Right. Uh, but if I remember the game, it's like you do shoot some doctors and stuff to get to Ellie. Uh-huh. And that's obviously bad and you feel bad doing it. But the like climax of the game is you have Ellie in your arms and you're running like to escape the hospital. This crazy music is playing. Right. The alarm is going off. Like stuff is like they're shooting at you. Like the big slow motion moment is coming when you're like running with Ellie protecting her. Whereas yeah. here they put the slow motion moment, the the powerful music, which was really a nice musical choice, but they chose that moment to be happening while Joel was actually shooting and killing everybody, yeah. which I think puts more of the emphasis on like the killing he's willing to do to get her. Whereas in the other one, it's like more of the like sacrifice he's making. Right, right. 
I know that's a really weird detail, no, no, but I, think, I do think it affected the feel of like what I'm supposed to be taking away from this. Yeah. In the game, you're like, yeah. oh, I get both sides. Yeah, yeah. And and I th- and that's the only way that that finale works. Like Right. That's the whole crux of the game. Is yeah. you have to feel that both sides thing. And and that's like that's the other thing that I noticed in the show adaptation is like I guess from my perspective, the default view, like when, when you back up, anybody would say, well, yeah, you know, like you should sacrifice that one person, especially if they want to be sacrificed, if it would like save all of humanity. So I think the real burden then is to now prove up why the other option is actually compelling. And I think a big part of that is to make you love Ellie, which I do think the show did in its own way by just making you identify more with Ellie. But I think the problem, like I was saying before, is she herself is in that other camp. So that's not really helping you in terms of like really buying into the idea that, yeah, you know, maybe you would actually choose not to let this person die and actually to kill other people to keep her from dying, much less, you know, killing everybody else. So I I felt like even beyond just the timing things we talked about, like the decision of the finale to open back on Ellie's mom and to have her have a, a relationship with Marlene like we saw. Yeah, makes it more brutal then. Yeah, like, cause I, and I loved, by the way, one, I loved that they brought back the actress that portrays Ellie in the game yeah, as for Ellie's those mom. Who you don't know. For those of you who don't know, yeah, that's her voice. Which is really fun. But also, like, it was just an, inc- like, I loved it as an episode opener. It was emotional. Like, I, I totally, again, I'm stuck in that spot of really well done. I love it. But it does but what's playing into my lukewarm feeling at the end of the show. Yeah. And, and I, I think it plays into this. By the time you get there, you're you recognize now that Marlene has had to basically had to make this type of decision before and did like she yeah. had to make the call to kind of and it's a different situation, but she kind of did the hard thing and killed her you know, really good friend because it was what she wanted, like, and took her kid. And it was this like, and now even though Ellie's not awake, Joel knows because they just had this conversation in the show that if, if she can find any way to do this, like she even says like, otherwise, what was the point of any of this? Like it would make all of this meaningless, everything we've had to go through. And so now we see Joel that's doing the, it, it feels so so much more selfish because we've now seen other characters being willing to kind of like hmm. p- take their own feelings out of it. And I, I only say that because I just, I think that they did a lot of work for some reason in the finale to make it seem like even worse what Joel did. And I think that that's the opposite of what they should be focusing on because I think the real task to make the dilemma work is to make you feel like he couldn't have possibly chosen otherwise, even I, though it makes more sense, uh, you know. Totally. I also think there were little, little decisions made along the way that I'm not going to make a huge deal of, but I think they all add up to like a slightly meh feeling about the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I don't remember in the game them getting like concussion grenaded into the camp. It feels like why not have Joel and Ellie like achieve their mission in mm-hmm. Joel escorting her there. 
Also, the practical effects of like Marlene didn't give them a heads up that they might actually make it, like be on the lookout for them, like a guy and a young girl. Like it's mm-hmm. not the most average crew walking around. Right. So there's little things like that. Also, like they made Joel like hyper nonverbal through a lot of the episodes, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like hyper verbal, like manic almost. In, in and I get it. He's he's compensating for the fact that he doesn't want to tell her the truth of what happened. But all of a sudden, it like it almost like felt too much of like an exponential graph. Yeah, Joel really hates this. He really doesn't want to do this. He really, and then all of a sudden, oh, he really wants to do it. And like comparing her to Sarah and his daughter, and like right. whereas like three episodes ago he said never bring her name up again. Mm-hmm. Now it's not just bringing her name up. It's like you guys would have been best friends, and like so again, little little decision. I like as an isolated thing. I uh-huh. like the conversation he has with Ellie, isolated. Right. But I'm just wondering if like that progression should have been smoother. My last big question mark. And again, I love the show. I, right. I went from the show being like a 10 through two episodes to like a eight. Right. So like, I still really liked it, but is it the best show of the year? I don't know. We talked about the Joel side of it. Mm-hmm. And now I want a quick shift in closing to the Ellie side of it. Mm. And I have two sides of this. One, I thought Bella Ramsey was phenomenal. And I think mm-hmm. like come award season, she will be nominated and probably should be. Yeah. Yeah. She has this unique ability to portray emotion on her face, especially for someone who's younger Uh and, and just have it work and be more subtle in it. Mm -hmm. And she's been great. So like the flashback stuff does really highlight her ability there. Yeah. And that, in that way, I was thankful for that. The second part of it though, is like the departure from the game in Ellie. And this is where I think it's my own flaw. Where, like, I have a memory, Mm. like a nostalgic memory of Ellie in my head. And I've only played the game one time, so it's like a faint memory. Right. But some of the personality traits that I remember the game, and I'm probably remembering incorrectly, and I hate that I'm letting it, like, influence my opinion of the show. Like, I always rip on that for people that do that with comic books. But now here I am doing it with this game. But the Ellie that I remember was a little more, for lack of a better word, charming. And maybe more naive and less hardened to start. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gives you, and this is the second game, but like it it allows for those moments of her like wanting to go to space as an astronaut or her seeing the draft to be really tender moments because you're reminded a lot throughout the journey that this is a kid. Right, right. Like that's the feeling in the game. And she is aggressive. Like when she meets Bill in the game, I get it. She like right away is like, touch me again. I'll kill you. And like, you know, she's cursing at Bill. Like I get it. Like she is aggressive, but it feels like in this version, they told Bella, like you need to play this as like hyper aggressive from the get go. The very first scene we get of her is her tied up and her being like, well, I'll effing kill you. I'll cut your throat from the very beginning. Right. And I feel like they lost a little bit of the charm and or innocence of the character. And so then I think that also plays into the very ending because like, right. It's, it's, it's less of Joel. I don't know. It's not, I don't know. Well, it just doesn't play into the, the, the vibe between the two of them perfectly. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like the, like what we're saying with Joel kind of being out of, out of commission for the bulk of episode seven and eight means that you we're giving. And I think, this was this is what Neil said was the real intention of this, but they give Ellie so much more agency. And again, that that moment, 
like that scene that that we're talking about where Ellie has to kind of fight her way out in the burning building, like that is in the game. I'm not saying that yes. they that they didn't do that there. And Neil shot says, for shot at times. Yeah, and Neil said in the game it was the same thing. He wanted to to make it intentionally make it to where Joel was not saving like swooping her. Swooping in, yep. And I think that that is, I see what he's doing and I see why that's so effective in, in like even in the game, like creating this additional seed of doubt in terms of like is, you know, does, does Ellie, is it right to make this call for Ellie who has sort of shown that she can make them for herself? But I think in the show, because we get like two episodes worth of of Joel being sick. And even though a lot of the seventh episode is Ellie flashback, like there are also parts of her kind of just walking around. And it's like you're getting more of a sense in episode and and the timing, like episode seven, episode eight, are Ellie being able to kind of take care of herself. Also after most of the big moments in the game or, or in the show where Joel would have kind of tried to save Ellie. Ellie winds up playing a pretty pivotal role, either like shooting somebody or like helping Joel out or my point being, and, and I like, I think all of that's really effective until you get to the finale, because then it may like it in terms of, and this is maybe where, where we would just, I would be curious to see what the creators would say, because they maybe would say like, yes, everything that you're highlighting is what we intended because we wanted Joel to actually feel like the villain by the end. Yeah, true, maybe. But if they wanted Joel to still feel like the hero at the end in some way, right? Like a, a hero, a flawed hero, sure. But if they wanted that, then every time that you emphasize Ellie's sort of independence and ability apart from Joel, but also like how hardened she is, how like, basically able she is to take care of herself and function in the world and make her own decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, which again, all things that I think are important for them to show about this character in general. But I just think that the consequence of that is like, rather than an actual, like what you're saying, like an innocent child, like a child child where it's like, you know, well, one, like the more like quote unquote child, like they are, the more horrific it is that they're going to be killed in any circumstances. True. But then also like, the the easier it is to kind of stomach Joel taking this decision upon himself. But I think the more you see Ellie in the show be her own person, the more by the time you get to Joel stepping in to make that call for her and to make it so brutally, whereas like in the game, it's like- And with no hesitation. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and like to your point, mechanics-wise, in the game, again, and this could be flawed, but I remember Joel- the idea is he's shooting the people that he has to shoot to be able to escape with Ellie. Like, I think that there's this idea where it's like people are trying to, they see what's happening and there are fireflies like swarming and trying to stop him. And that's a very different dynamic than like him systematically just executing like everyone he comes into contact with in the hospital, essentially. And I want to hear from our listeners on that. Well, first of all, how did the finale hit you overall? But uh, but also, like, even mechanically, there's a scene in the show where the Fireflies are, like, right away jerks to him. They're, like, escort him out. And, right. like, they're, like, keep walking. What's wrong with you? Did I stutter? Like, you know, and they're, yeah, like, being. Right. And I don't remember it being contentious until Joel decides to make this decision, right? It wasn't. I feel like you're in there as a friend yeah. first. Yeah. And they're not, like, 
escort him away. If I remember right, you're just like in a different room. Yeah. No, I think, While I think you're that's like right. struggling with it. Yeah. So it just feels like they changed the tone in general where Marlene right away is like, get him out of here. Right. And then they're like, move it, man. And I'm like, wow. So already they're like, no, Joel's bad. Yeah. Get him away from us. And I just feel like if you don't nail that, you've lost like the huge genius moment of the game, which right. what makes it genius is that you can't make Joel a full villain and you can't make him a hero. He can't right. swoop in and save Bella and he can't also just be awful. It's got to right. be like you are torn between the two as you're doing it. Yeah. Well, and, and that's I being like, no, no. Ah, yeah. What am I doing as I'm doing it? Yeah. No. And, and that's why, like, whenever I say those moments, it's not that those moments didn't show up in the game. That's why I think the amount that they showed up and the stage at which they showed up are important because it does add in enough of like that doubt of like, this feels like wrong and out of step with what like Ellie would want and would do. But again, it's like, because when it comes, you've had so much time with Joel and because of the way that that relationship has been portrayed that you still wrestle with it. But yeah, I think the problem is like the problem, I, I guess my kind of final comment here on really most of the flaws I've pointed out, I think even the word flaw is maybe misleading because whenever I say I have a problem with it, I don't have a problem with any of this from a story perspective. And in fact, I think that you could argue that you could argue that if you're looking at just the way that, that we analyze Ellie's interactions with the world and the way that, that we're sort of exploring her own like, world building in a way I think there are ways the show does that more effectively than the game as I remember I think that the issue for me comes with if you're trying to achieve a moment like the end of the game where you are truly torn where you truly at least partially root for Joel then I think that you just have to get that balance like exactly right and I think the fact that like the the legacy of the game is a testament to how perfectly they nailed that moment emotionally in the end. Exactly. And and I think that that just shows that it's like a it's a thing that is is really delicately achieved or not achieved. Yeah. Well, I'm even thinking back briefly to like if, if Joel is just straight making that decision with no hesitation, then it's like a total slap in the face to people like Tess who early on in the show are a motivating factor for Joel to keep going because she says, like, if there's any shot, you have to do this. Right. And, like, basically, if we don't see Joel struggle with it at all, like the yeah. actual decision, yeah. then Joel's just basically saying, like, well, screw Tess. Right. Like, I need to see him going through that, which, is which again, to my main point, I can't for the life of me figure out why they didn't make that last episode, like, an hour or an hour five. Right. Why make it the shortest one? At least make it 55 like the rest. So... To close this episode, what is your lasting image? What's your last, your lasting screenshot, if you will, uh -huh. take away from The Last of Us? Yeah, I think, I mean, in, in terms of the, I think the moment that sticks in my, in my head is Ellie picking up the letter at Bill and Frank's. Uh, in oh. that, and that I think it just, it feels so much like a moment from the game. Like when I'm talking about the, the picking up, I love, like you were saying so much of how, like, I mean, that episode is so powerful before we ever even get Joel and Ellie in it. 
But I also think that then the genius of that is it it uses that momentum to then like suffuse that final scene, which is then also like the kind of final word on what happens with Bill and Frank, like with added meaning, because now it's like we see that there's some background with Joel. We know we're coming off of the Joel and Tess stuff. We're seeing Joel and Ellie kind of starting to bond a little bit more. And so I think that particular scene, just so many things came together really, really effectively that I think if I if I had to point to like a single screenshot, it would be that one uh, with them kind of around the dining room table and and reading that together. I think I would choose the image of Joel holding Sarah and the military guy confronting them, getting the message that he has to shoot them and Joel saying, we're not sick, don't shoot us. Uh, which I think actually informs my overall opinion of the show. Like the mm. fact that the image that sticks in my mind is from episode one and how much I love the origin of this pandemic breaking out and all right. this stuff. Um, and also I think just, man, when you become a father, certain things just become like almost unwatchable because they're so painful. Uh, and so that always sticks in my head, like how much that would hurt to like mm -hmm. get through the entire zombie apocalypse alive only to have your daughter killed by another human right. in front of you that you're asking not to do. And so that's always haunted me. And I thought that was executed perfectly. And so that's kind of like what I, I take away from the last of us. Yeah, man, that is such a brutal, the, I mean, the, the game, especially it's Joel's the origin well. story, basically. Yeah. I mean, just a kind of brutal bookends um for that show and you know I, I i would be fascinated to watch this one again uh mm -hmm. you know to kind of see how so often i think things just look different once you've got the lay of the land even knowing the plot well and as two people that also played game two right. last of us two that came out pretty recently actually um they are making a season two and so i right. will be still as excited to see what they do there. And there's some crazy stuff in that game too. So we'll see how that yeah. goes as well. What did you guys all think? I genuinely would like to hear from listeners on how effective the show was overall for you. How much did you get moved emotionally by the finale and some of the things we talked about there? I would love to hear the other opinions on that. We both really loved the show. Probably felt like it lost a little bit of steam towards the end, but overall executed very well mm -hmm. and something we'd like to watch again. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on another episode of Screensaver.